0: another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining us from just across the Harpeth River, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Well, if
1: I'm the offensive coordinator, Matt, what does that make you? You're, uh, what, quality control? What oh, yeah,
0: want? I'm uh, absolutely a quality control.
1: Offensive analyst?
0: Offen- offensive quality control.
1: There you go. Good title for you, Matt. Oh,
0: man. I do what I can.
1: And I'm fired up, man. We got a chance to make history this week uh, against the Hunters Lane Warriors. Uh, for the first time in school history since Hillwood was built back in 1950, I think this would be the first time that that uh, Hills Hillwood has been uh, in the playoffs three consecutive seasons.
0: All right. Well, I know you guys got a good shot there. Uh- tomorrow night um so but we'd be remiss if we didn't introduce the third amigo in the second city a man who knows that mid-october means midweek maction it's our intrepid blogger from big 10 and counting josh cook
2: yeah the mac race has kind of been the calm before the storm right now I'm expecting a race to the finish like that league normally has
0: i was gonna say well i mean i, I don't know if i'd call that seven overtime game very calm <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's been the one bright spot so far. It's been a little bit of ho-hum play.
0: That's very true, very true. Well, speaking of ho-hum play, not the strongest slate of games this week, guys, Uh, but that does not mean that there aren't lots of intriguing matchups and storylines from across the country. So we're going to get started with some quick slants. Uh, Josh, you're up first.
2: So admittedly, my second slant is way too long, so this first one is going to be way too short, and that is South Alabama, they upset San Diego State, last year and upset them the previous year. Well they're at it again on Wednesday night. They went to Troy, the team that beat LSU and upset them nineteen to eight. The Sun Belt race is just an absolute log jam right now. It'll be fun to see the second half of the season for the Sun Belt
0: yeah fun bell definitely living up to the name, uh, definitely more so than the Mac so far coach uh you got a couple uh, uh I think you're actually going to start though here on uh on on old Rocky top
1: yeah, we'll start on old Rocky top uh, before I get into that though i i was I was scrolling through my Twitter this morning uh, getting some breakfast, and I saw the story about this high school, barrow high school it's the northernmost high school in the United States uh, during football season. They have 65 days straight of darkness, and it never gets above zero uh, for the game time temperature. And their stadium, if you go back and look at my tweet at Coach Burton36 from this morning, their football field, their stadium is literally on a slip of land that sticks out into the Arctic Ocean. I thought that was pretty cool. So you guys should check that out. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you play there. I, I told my head coach we should schedule them for a home and home.
0: I, I think you guys might not have the uh, the travel expenses for that one.
1: Yeah, well, I think we're a little short. But um, let's <laughs> we need to raise a few more dollars.
0: But, Maybe, uh, we can do it. Maybe it, it, guys, if you go there, we're going with you, coach. Do a show on site.
1: <clears throat> oh yeah, absolutely. Got to, got to. We, we might even do a video podcast,
0: a vodcast. Yeah. I don't know if it's dark the whole time. No one's going to be able to see us.
1: Well, I'm a, I'm, I teach broadcasting in high school. I can bring some light kits. All
0: right, all right, all right, all
1: um, right. So anyway, let's uh, let's get onto the uh, more important stuff here. What's what's going on on Rocky Top since uh, since the bye week? So uh, since we last spoke to you, um, there's been a whole lot of drama on Rocky Top. A lot of it rumors, a lot of it hearsay. But when you have that much smoke, there's got to be some fire somewhere. So. It started with Butch Jones uh, getting accused of having a DUI. And then the story, uh, came out that he did in fact drink and he did in fact get caught by the police, but the police drove him home and said, don't, don't drink a drive. Um, so, uh, I, I don't know how much of this is true. I, I'm, i got a huge grain of salt. Um, Right here in front of me. Here, I'll even take a bite of this grain of salt, just so you know. Watch.
0: That's a that's big old grain of salt.
1: I know. That's how big of a grain of salt you should uh, you should have when you uh, when you listen to this, all this stuff that's happening on Rocky top. So, starts with that. Then uh, you know Butch Jones lied about the fight between uh, Shy Tuttle and another another recruit, and then. Uh, you know it's uh, it's crazy, man. Uh, there's been some other practice fights. I mean, he's just really just losing control of that locker room. Uh, recruits are starting starting to jump ship, and everything's just starting to starting to unravel around uh, around Rocky Top. And you know, you have fights daily in practice. You have a quarterback that re- that supposedly quit, uh, cleaned out his locker in Quentin Dormandy, uh, since being replaced by old Jared Guantano.
0: I always want to call him Guantanamo. I know. I do can care. we just call him, can we just call him Gitmo from here on out?
1: I, I'm good with that. Okay. I'm good with that. But, um, this is a make or break game for Tennessee. They, they take on South Carolina at, uh, at old Rocky top. They still got a three and two record. They're zero and two in conference. Uh, There's still a lot of goals out in front of them, so the season is not totally lost, but the way they've been playing, I find it hard for them to kind of recover. And the way things are going for Butch Jones and the kids really buying into what he's selling, I think they're starting to kind of sniff his BS. But, I mean, there's just been, like, all kind of fighting and recruits jumping ship left and right. You know there's something wrong when when that stuff is happening. uh, Definitely. So let me pose this question to you. If Tennessee loses to South Carolina, on Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Should or will, uh, it's a two, two part question there. Will or should Butch Jones
0: be fired? Uh, Josh, I'll let you take that one first.
2: Will he be fired? Mm, I, I think that's a tall order to give an interim coach the trip to Alabama as their first game. So I would say probably no, he won't be fired. Should he be fired? Yeah. The marriage is over, and it's just a matter of when, not if.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with Josh on this one. He absolutely should be, but it's I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. Especially not – I mean, they've got Alabama coming into town next weekend. Can you imagine throwing an interim head coach in his first game into playing Alabama? I mean –
2: yeah, I mean it's in Tuscaloosa too. It's
0: not even. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, it's no. I I can't see that happening. As bad as things are with Butch Jones, I mean, can you imagine whoever their I don't know defensive coordinator, offensive quality control assistant, whoever would be the interim going in to Tuscaloosa for his first game? No, absolutely not. So I don't think they. I don't think they can him. Um, I think that they need. Uh, Alabama to, you know, beat the brains out of them the following week. And he will be, if he's not fired by um, Black Monday, he he will be fired on Black Monday if he makes it through the regular season. Because, I mean, this team at this point, probably not making a bowl game. Um, I mean, they might, but, you know, it, it's not going to matter. He's, he's not last. You will not see him on the sidelines um, in that hideous shade of orange in 2018.
1: So let me let me ask you this. There's another variable that gets thrown into the mix here. The NCAA approved the the early signing period. So does that have any influence?
0: No. I I, I this this marriage is so is so sour at this point that I don't think it's it's going to matter.
1: Well, I'm I'm talking. About, does it have any influence for them to pull the trigger
0: sooner? Well, I don't think it, I I don't think you can hire though. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to hire their full time guy until. Um, sort of all of you know the, the chips fall with other schools. So they're going to be um, you know firing coaches and everything like that. That happens in mid to late November. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I who, if, who are they going to hire? I mean, are they going to hire like less miles mid season? I don't think you would do that. Or I'm know.
1: hearing I'm hearing they're going to they're going to back a truck up with seven million dollars and dump it onto Chip Kelly's front front stoop. I say, think Chip
0: Kelly's side. I don't. I don't think that that seems like a terrible marriage right there. I, I don't think. I don't see that working at all.
1: I don't either. But that's that's what they're all thinking. Or well, Gruden, they're yeah. going to pull Gruden out of the yeah, football
0: Like that like that'll happen. Uh, Gruden Gruden's got um, a good gig going. Talking spider 2 why banana. Uh, every Monday night, he's not—he's not going back to coaching. He's definitely not going back to the grind of college football. Uh, no, I, it's I don't not. think he was
1: ever in the grind of college football. That, that, that,
0: that's a pipe dream, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, well, uh, speaking of a two-loss team in Tennessee, I was trying to figure out, guys, who is the best two-loss team in the country at you know the midpoint in the season that we are so far. So um, I have a top six that I'm pretty confident in. Uh, I had. Uh, you know seven eight nine other schools that I considered that I threw out for one reason or another just quickly the nine others that I considered uh, West Virginia um, you know they uh, but unfortunately for them their best win is at Kansas and they're 105th in the country in total defense so they're out of there Kansas State's best win is versus Baylor at home and that's only by 13 points so sorry you're out Oregon uh, best win. Uh, they, beat, they beat Cal by twenty one points at home. That's not bad, but uh, they've lost their last two games, and the quarterback's out for the year. So I, you know, I can only see them trending downward. South Carolina. Uh, you know, they, they have a very good win against uh, an NC State squad to open in the year, but they had Debo Samuel then, not now. Uh, they're very they're, banged up. Yeah, they're banged up. They've, uh, you know, they lost to Kentucky by 10, and they're 106th in the country in total offense. They're out. LSU, they have their best win is at Florida, um, but they have the worst loss of all the contenders uh, to this two-loss crown um in their home loss 24 21 to troy they also got trounced by another team i was considering mississippi state florida uh their best win is against that tennessee squad that coach has talked about uh but they lost uh in ugly fashion to michigan in a neutral site game 33 17 and they're 102nd in the country in total offense they're out UCLA, uh, their best win is a one-point ridiculous comeback against Texas A&M in the first week of the season. But since then, they've lost both at Memphis and at Stanford. Their defense and, will never hold up. And their defense is horrendous. In fact, they are 124th in the country in total defense, so they're out. Mississippi State, uh, they've got a strong FPI. They've got a great win on their resume versus LSU, uh, 37-7. to But their last two games, they have been absolutely slaughtered by UGA and Auburn by a combined score of 80-13. to so sorry, Nick Fitzgerald and company, you're out. Wake Forest, uh, they have a solid FPI at 33rd. Uh, their best win is a, they beat Boston, they won at Boston College, let's say 34 um, 10. Lost uh, versus Florida State 26 19, uh, but they don't really move the needle a whole lot. They got a solid defense, so that's about it. So, my top six, um, in no particular order. Um, we will start with Louisville. They are FPI. Uh, this is according to ESPN. They are 26th in the country in the Football Power Index. Their best win, surprisingly, is against Purdue uh, in a 35-28 affair to open the open the season. Their, uh, you know, their, their two losses were both by, uh, you know, significant margins. Uh, they lost by 26 points to Clemson at home and by 14 on the road at NC State. However, they are fifth in total offense and 41st in total defense, both very respectable numbers and 21st in strength of schedule. Um, team number two is Texas. Texas has an FPI of 24, so two spots better than Louisville. Um, their best win so far this year is uh, home in two overtimes versus Kansas State, 40-34. Um, and they have, but their worst loss opened to season, 51-41 versus Maryland, but that is a very different Maryland team then than, than it is now, obviously. Maryland's down, I think their uh, 11th string quarterback who's also the water boy. And, uh, you know, they also lost that two-overtime thrill at USC. Uh, Texas is 33rd in total offense, 42nd in total defense, and they the 17th in strength of schedule. So Texas, very solid all around, and um, along with TCU, the only two remaining unbeaten uh, teams in conference play in the Big 12. Iowa State coming off of uh, the best win of any of these contenders for the two-loss crown. Um, so far, obviously, their win at Oklahoma last weekend, thirty-eight to thirty-one, is uh, you know the best win on the board. But they do have losses to the aforementioned Texas at home, seventeen to seven, and um, the next team I'm going to talk about, Iowa, at home in overtime, forty-four to forty-one. Iowa State 59th in total offense, eighty-third in total defense, twenty-fourth in strength of schedule. So you know, middle of the road at best in both of those categories. Iowa. Their FPI is 32. Their best win is against Iowa State, 44 to 41. Their two losses are by a combined uh, nine points: uh, 17-10 at Michigan State, 21-19 at home versus Penn State. So nothing to sneer at there. Unfortunately for the Hawks, they're 98th in the country in total offense and 69th in total defense. So not in the top half of either of those categories. Uh, they are 25th in strength of schedule though. Stanford, um, they, their FPI is the highest of any of the team with two losses at 15. Uh, their best win so far is a 23-20 win at Utah last week. Um, you know Their two losses were an 18-point beating by, at USC and their three-point loss at San Diego State. Their, uh, despite Bryce Love's huge numbers, they are only 42nd in the country in total offense and they're 101st in total defense, which... Uh, as far as I am concerned, goes down uh, with a red mark next to their name. But, however, they do have the, the most difficult strength of schedule in ninth. Finally, Texas A and M. They're thirty third in the FPI. Their best win uh, is fifty to forty three over Arkansas. Um, their worst loss is definitely that uh, massive comeback by aforementioned UCLA. They also fought valiantly against Alabama last week, but ended up losing twenty seven to nineteen. They are fifty fifth in the country in total offense, sixty third in total defense, and thirty second strongest schedule. So um, I know who I think out of those sort of last six teams is the best two loss team in the country, but I'm curious as to what you guys think, Josh.
2: Mm, I mean, I've got Stanford in my poll. I think they're kind of starting to get things together, especially if they pick a quarterback, like I stressed in the wrap-up show. Uh, but Bryce Love, just individual talent is so incredible that, it's hard not to like Stanford. Coach?
1: Well, here's what I think. And, and I was kind of going through each of the strengths of these teams and whether I think they could hold up. And to be honest with you, I mean, if you lined up these six teams and put them in a playoff scenario, honestly, I think a would come out on top. You think uh, Yeah, I think despite some of their struggles on defense, I think they're probably – the most complete team out of these, uh, because Kellen Mond is really starting to kind of pick uh, catch some steam. Uh, you know, you you have Trey Williams as your running back, and your defense is playing good enough. See, I think Louisville's a one-man show. Texas is still, I think they still got a ways to go. They're not there yet. Iowa State, I think, is just uh, they're good. They play well together, but. Again, I think they're kind of in the same boat as Texas. I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, Stanford is a one-man show with Bryce Love. Louisville is a one-man show with Lamar Jackson, and uh, so I mean that kind of just leaves you with with Texas A&M.
0: So I would before before I did this, um, before I came in and did this. Um, uh, you know, sort of scientifically. I originally thought that it was going to. I be got more. Um, I thought it was going to be Stanford. Uh, that's what I, you know, I thought I was going to be, uh, you know, looking at Stanford and saying, okay, this is the best two lo- two lost team. But after running all the numbers, I was surprised. Um, you know, I I thought about what Corey said there with Texas A and M, but I'm actually going to go with uh, with Texas. I think that Texas has improved every single week. And this week, especially with the Red River Shootout, they've got um, you know big things coming. Obviously, and their defense has improved every single week. Uh, I think they're, they've uh, sort of moved beyond the quarterback controversy between Shane Bouchelle and Sam Ellinger. Uh, it's Ellinger's team now to run, and I think he's a better fit for what uh, Tom Herman wants to do. And I think I think at this point, um, if you know, like Coach said, if, if you're putting them in a bracket, I would take the Longhorns. So, uh, Josh, I know your second slant. Uh, you're looking at um, a little Division Two and Division Three.
2: Yeah, you know it's kind of a slow weekend here in FBS, and since we are a college football show, we look at all levels at least once or twice through the season. I thought this would be a good time to do a midpoint recap uh, in D two. Northwest Missouri State has won three of the last four national titles. Is at it again? They are six and zero, and the unanimous number one in the D2 coaches poll. Uh, a team they beat for a title a couple years ago. Shepherd is nipping at their heels at second. Uh, Minnesota State, a team that lost. Uh, Josh,
0: hold on. So I didn't interrupt. Where's Shepard? Where is Shepherd? Yeah, I've never heard of Shepherd.
2: You've never heard of the Shepherd Rams? But-
0: No, uh, the only Rams I'm familiar with in college football are Colorado State.
2: Uh, They are in West Virginia.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. Sweet. Thank you. No problem.
2: Yeah. Um, So they are second in the country. Uh, Minnesota State, a team that lost the title game in 2014 to Cal State Pueblo, the only team to snap this streak that Missouri State is on. Uh, Northwest Missouri State, I should stress. Um, Both of them are also – Highly ranked. So kind of business as usual in D2. Over there in D3, uh, Mary Harden Baylor and Wisconsin Oshkosh were the title game a year ago. We're so used to Mount Union and Wisconsin Whitewater year in, year out with. A really good program in Minnesota called St. Thomas. Also sniffing around. We're used to the 1A, 1B of Mount Union Whitewater with St. Thomas as a as a close second. New blood last year, and both of them are playing well again. Oshdosh, third in the country. Mary Harden Baylor, the defending champion, first in the country. But Mount Union, they're right at it again, second in the country. That pesky St. Thomas team, fifth in the country. Uh Whitewater, not quite the same since Lance Leopold left. Uh, they are currently receiving votes but uh, a whole slew of games that I'm going to blow through real quick. Uh, so tonight second-ranked Shepard took their 5-0 mark to Fairmont State who was 4-2. and uh, That game was a really good one. I was actually watching it on mute. I had it streaming on my computer. Uh, Shepard escaped with a 28-23 victory. Fairmont got down to the Shepard's 17-yard line before that drive stalling late in the game. Uh, also tonight, 18th-ranked Sioux Falls is at Wayne State. Uh, as we're recording this, Sioux Falls is all over Wayne, 24-7. to But uh, a, a big slate of games on Saturday in D2. Uh, 24th-ranked Wingate travels to Catawba. Uh, who has received votes? These two clubs are a combined ten and one on the year. We got the battle of the Wests when twenty third ranked West Alabama hosts twenty second ranked West Georgia. Both are five and one, but West Georgia already has a loss in the Gulf South Conference, so they really need to find a way to steal one against West Alabama, who's four and zero in league. Twenty first ranked Delta State, who's coming off a rough thirty to seventeen point loss that cost them twelve. Spots in the ranking, they try to regroup at 4-1 and West Florida. 6-0 and and 14th ranked Bowie State heads to Petersburg, Virginia to take on Virginia State. A 5-0 club receiving votes. 8th ranked Fort Hayes State hosts 5-1 Washburn, another team receiving votes. in A big mid-America game with both trying to keep pace with that defending national champ and unanimous number one Northwest Missouri State. Fourth-ranked Minnesota State man, Cato, a team that you and I know well, Matt, from our collegiate hockey days.
0: WCHA power.
2: Yeah. uh, They head to Iowa's only Division II program to take on the Peacocks of Upper Iowa. So let's go UIU and pull off the upset. And the headliner out of all these D2, D3 games, ninth-ranked Slippery Rock hosts, third-ranked Indiana of Pennsylvania. Each team is 6-0 on the year. 5-0 5-0 in the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. This is such a big regular season game in the D2 that it is on ESPN3. So I highly suggest checking it out, streaming on your phone while you're watching some of the other games. And then down in D3, quick shout-out to 5-0, and 20th-ranked Wartburg up there in Waverly, Iowa, just north of where the UNI Panthers play. Uh, Iowa doesn't have a great Division three history in football, so – well done for Warburg to have a hot start in the season. But uh, fourth-ranked, North Car- North, excuse me, fourth-ranked North Central goes to Wheaton College, who was 18th a week ago, but after a defensive battle against Illinois Wesleyan went against them and dropped them to four and 2 They are now just receiving votes out of the top 25, trying to get things back on track against a top-five team. Third-ranked UW Oshkosh has a nasty road trip. Rival and seventh-ranked UW Platteville, both are undefeated and both have legit national title aspirations. And finally, an interesting game that I'm going to ask you something about, Matt Framingham State. They are five and zero, and they head to Plymouth State. Uh, Framingham is receiving votes, and Plymouth isn't, but they are a combined ten and one on the year, and both are leading the Massachusetts State. Collegiate Athletic Conference, but I got a question, Matt. Yep. Plymouth, New Hampshire, where in the world is that related to where uh, you are from up there in Hanover?
0: Well, funny you should ask, I actually have a couple of friends from my high school who played at Plymouth State. Uh, Plymouth is about an hour and a half, hour 45 minutes northeast of Hanover uh, in the Lakes region of New Hampshire, uh, near Lake, uh, right on Lake Winnipesaukee, actually. Uh, Fun fact, um, in, I believe it was 2000, or sorry, like 1998, 1999, thereabouts, uh, Plymouth, New Hampshire, won the uh, Pop Warner national title. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, that class uh, at Plymouth high school was undefeated in their four years, um, nice. winning four straight state championships. They were a division above ours, but we played them in the preseason every year because our head coach is very good friends with their head coach. Um and they had uh, their, their offensive cadence is probably something I will never forget. Uh, <laughs> my high school ran a four four defense and their quarterback would come up to the line and would go forward, four, down, send Owen. And that was their cadence <laughs> for every time. Or if you were going into five three, he'd be five three down. Set and wow. It was, it was very strange, but it was very effective. Um, they've had many a player star at the University of New Hampshire, at Plymouth State, at, uh, you know, some of the other schools around. Uh, but, yeah, actually Plymouth, uh, when it comes to New Hampshire football, is one of the powerhouses. So, um, you know, at least at the high school level. And their college team has always been, uh, you know, very respectable. Uh, also an outstanding lacrosse program there. Um, uh, shout out to the Broush family, who have, like, half their family. <laughs>
2: yeah that was uh that was a deep deep cut that was not a quick slant that was a deep cut yeah
0: i like the, i i gotta say i like that i like that deep cut a lot um so uh coach uh you've got uh you got a quick run here through the s e c
1: yeah uh judging from <clears throat> judging from josh's quick slant that he actually turned into a deep post <laughs> um he ran ten yards and then made his break instead of three steps break flat. Um, I was on on the same page
2: as everyone else. I was was improvising quarterback. Just threw a pick six. Also, Josh, I'm
0: glad you were able to get shout outs to at least two Iowa schools in there and a new Hampshire school. Always, (laughs) always nice to hear.
2: I also got West Georgia coach. Where are they? Where's West Georgia?
1: It's in Carrollton. Uh, it's in, it's literally probably 15 miles from the border. Uh, I've been to West Georgia, uh, more times than I can count. Um, that was kind of like my secondary party destination, good friend of mine. Matt, you you probably met him at my wedding. Uh, I used to go down there and visit him at West Georgia and hang with him and uh, his buddies, and, man, we would get toe up. So, well, actually, anyway. I imagine there's
0: not a whole lot else to do in Carrollton, Georgia. There's really not, honestly.
1: There's <laughs> really not. Uh, West Georgia used to use the uh, Carrollton High School's stadium for, for their stadium. So. Oh, uh they've come a long way though they've since built their own stadium so they're 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 rolling yeah so um josh you've inspired me to take a look at one of the lower divisions so i'm going to do that real quick and then i'm going to take a look at the sec and then try to
2: des- decide so you're, which – are doing both and looking at the sec east <laughs> 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 yes <laughs> um
1: yeah this pretty much is the sec east the southern conference uh of fcs uh, Division two of NJIA um, <laughs> Had some pretty interesting matchups. Uh, it's really been kind of a slugfest in, in this conference. Uh, Wofford, yeah, the SoCon man, he, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wofford is absolutely dominating. They're five and zero, three and zero in conference. They take on the Citadel. Uh, that game kicks off at five PM Central Standard Time, and will promptly end at five fifteen Central Standard Time. <laughs> 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 two option teams going going toe-to-toe. Uh, I, I went to a football clinic at Wofford uh, a few years ago, and the offensive coordinator started his session at 8 o'clock, and about, uh, at about 11 o'clock rolls around, and he is still going. And uh, still going, still going. 11.30, still going strong. And he is just talking the entire time. Coaches are just getting up and leaving. And then eventually, I think, he, I think he still might be sitting there in that room talking. So uh, that was pretty interesting. Uh, but the Citadel sitting in 3-2, uh, they look to be a formidable opponent there. Uh, Western Carolina takes on host East Tennessee State. Western Carolina hoping to get some good fortune. Uh, they are 2-1 and one in conference, so they're, they're nipping at Wofford's heels. All right. Then Mercer hosts University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, uh, struggling right now, 1-5 overall. The box are struggling, man. Uh, but Mercer, three and three, right there, five hundred. They're playing some pretty good football. Uh, Furman, uh, the same. They're two and one in conference. They're also the Paladins, the Paladins are hosting VMI. VMI is o for. They're o for six, uh, o and three in conference. Not a good, not a good look for for VMI. But some interesting SoCon games. Mercer is one of those up and coming teams that they haven't really been around all that long. Uh, their program hadn't really been around all that long, but. Uh, that's probably one of the most interesting teams in the Southern Conference. Uh, And then Wofford, for whatever reason, they have the equivalent of uh, a high school team uh, talent-wise, but they go and kick everybody's butt. So uh, pretty impressive from Wofford. Uh, I knew they'd probably get their dude there. So that's a look around the Southern Conference. Okay,
0: so then quick question for you, Coach. Um, uh, Wofford and the Citadel, uh, two top teams in the SoCon, they're going at it this weekend. How many teams in the SEC East could those guys beat?
1: Uh, they could definitely beat Tennessee. Yep. Uh, they could probably beat, uh, definitely beat Missouri. Yep. Give
0: I uh, I, I, th- I think Kentucky and Bandy would be a good game for both of those teams.
1: Yeah, Kentucky would give them hell for about three quarters, and then that would be it. Yep. And then uh, Missouri, of course, would get their heads kicked in, and Vandy would Vandy would also they would give Vandy hell for about two and a half quarters, and then mm-hmm. Vandy would just take over. But yep. uh, speaking of undercards, the fourth-ranked Bulldogs look to stay undefeated and on their war path of destruction when they host Missouri, one and four oh, Missouri Tigers.
0: Coach, Is, uh, uh, over under. Ten minutes left in the third quarter before the starters are pulled. Go to bed.
1: I will say third quarter, they're going to do something in the game that they screw up on, and Kirby gets mad at him and he, uh, he leaves him in. <laughs> so, uh, so that'll happen. Um, then uh, BYU takes on Mississippi State. Mississippi State looking to break their slump.
0: Uh, well, BYU is a, t- a good team to do that against because, let's face yeah. it, they're awful.
1: So they'll, they'll get back in rhythm there. Uh, again, the aforementioned South Carolina traveling to Knoxville to take on old Rocky Top. Uh, this game could probably put South Carolina on a good trajectory uh, to, uh, to really elevate their, their status as, as one of those two lost teams and maybe break into professors' rankings. I don't know. It uh, depends on how much of a beatdown they put on Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, Auburn takes on LSU. I'll give you my two cents on that one later. Uh, Vandy at Ole Miss. Uh, that should be a that should be a get back on track type game for for Vandy. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward
0: to for their first Absolutely.
1: conference
2: win.
0: And
1: I think Vandy's going to get it.
2: Well, a movie on.
1: And so uh, that was uh, that was our other live studio audience. You didn't know that, did you?
0: <coughs> no, we did uh, not. Well, I, you know what? I, I think I think there are a lot of fans out there who'd rather watch a movie than watch some of this SEC East football right now.
1: No kidding. Uh, and my aforementioned king of the two lost teams, Texas A&M, travels to the Swamp take on Florida. Side note on Florida, I saw some Twitter pictures, and I hope they're not real, of these uniforms that they're unveiling. Oh,
0: they are very real. They are very real.
1: Oh, no. No.
0: Um, they
1: went the other way. They did not listen to us on the podcast. They are the
0: Actually, Josh, I have a question for you on this Texas and m Florida game. How on earth is Florida favored? Florida home? Uh, I don't understand.
1: They're at home. That's uh, good for three.
0: That's good for a three-point
1: favorite when everything. Yeah, equal.
0: but they, their two top receivers are out. Their best quarterback is out. Like,
2: oh, I, 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 mean, the I bottom, get it. The bottom line: the bottom line is we use spreads to like. Quickly evaluate teams, but the Vegas doesn't do it based on that. They do it based on what's going to make them the
0: on public pres- on public perception. Yeah, yeah.
2: So by doing it that way, they know they could get a whole bunch of money for a And M coming in and move that spread to like one make it almost even, and then people will go, oh, well, Florida's at home. Let's bet Florida.
0: Yeah. You're, I mean, you're trying to get equal action on both sides, but still, that's... Yeah. I, I, th- I think if, if, if you're a gambling man, I, I think that's easy money on Texas A&M.
1: Yeah. I think Travion Williams yeah. is going to have a freaking field day, and Kellen Mond is finally going to catch a, catch a really good groove, and you're going to start to see this... I, I, I think they've done a good job of not hitting the panic button from everyone else around the pad. And that's ultimately going to save Kevin Sumlin. I think, I think we're looking at the possibility of if he gives the West a run for their money, that Kevin Sumlin might be able to save his job.
0: Well, uh, it was funny actually. I read a report today that said that Texas, uh, that Penn State is is bracing for Texas A and M to make a run at James Franklin after they fire Kevin Sumlin.
1: Yeah, I. You know, it just depends on how they finish the season out, really. And it starts with this game in Florida. If they go out and lay an egg against Florida, that someone's cooked. Yeah. This is a, a make-or-break game for someone. I know that sounds weird to say, a road game in conference, but this is a game that they need to win because Florida's struggling bad. Yeah. This is a game that can send Florida to a tailspin, too.
0: You know, I, and, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Arkansas, Alabama.
1: Ooh. Uh Bielema, his goose is cooked. Uh, Alabama's Alabama's favored by thirty-one. Oof. Uh, that might be a little light. Yeah, it's, this, this is this is going to be this is going to be bad uh, for Arkansas. I think I think I think it's going to be Jerry Jones on line one. He's got five point nine million to, to throw at Bielema. So. Yeah, that that one that one's gonna be ugly, especially at Alabama. All
0: right. Well, we gotta get to my, my, my final slant. I'm gonna make it quick. I got uh you know, you guys have both talked a little uh non FBS football. I'm gonna continue the pattern here. I've two uh FCS games that I am Pumped about. Uh, the first of these is when uh, the number eight Youngstown State Penguins, Polini's Penguins, uh, they're heading up. Um, you know, sorry, I should say they're hosting number two North Dakota State um, in Stambaugh Stadium in Youngstown. Uh, Youngstown coming off a really uh, tough defeat last week uh, against uh, sixth ranked South Dakota. They lost 31 28. Um, they they were losing 20 to 14 at halftime they tied the game at 28 in the fourth quarter south dakota uh puts uh, home a 29 yard field goal with seven uh, seven seconds remaining to beat Polini's penguins um and you know it just the road does not get any easier though this week uh the penguins uh have lost their last five matchups against uh the bison um that you know unstoppable force that is the bison um and um, in. You know, coming into this game, uh, a couple things to worry about uh, if you are a Penguin is that your starting quarterback, Hunter Wells, uh, is not 100%, and he is far, far superior to, to his backup, Nathan Mays. Um, you know, and, you know, while uh, their defense, uh, you know, has been, you know, very, very good over the past couple of seasons, ever since Pliny got there, um, they got lit up last week by Chris Treveller who I talked about in my preview last week uh, in in. South Dakota, Streveler had himself a huge game. Um, North Dakota State, um, you know, also a little banged up themselves. Uh, their top two running backs uh, have torn ACLs so far this season. So uh, they are down to their third stringer. And the Bison are a team that likes to run the ball, especially team that likes to hand out carries to a lot of guys. But they still have Easton Stick at the helm. And he is uh, an absolute beast. He has uh, uh, stood up um, uh, very well in his second season after replacing Carson Wentz. Uh, You know, he has yet to turn the ball over this season, uh, and he is looking great. So I'm going to expect, you know, the Bison to come on down to Youngstown and, uh, you know, and and take advantage of a, uh, you know, of a Youngstown State team that has, you know, uh, is a really tough schedule right now. It's a tough stretch. North Dakota State. You know they're not as tested. They've only really played one good team at all this year, and that's Eastern Washington, who they played in the second week of the season. Since then, they've been basically they've had the you know the bottom part of the Missouri Valley and a couple non-conference games that uh, they just pretty much rolled over their opponents. So, but you still got to like North Dakota State um, in this one. My other game is. Um, uh, James Madison versus Villanova. Um guys, uh ESPN Game Day is gonna be at uh is gonna be at uh is gonna be at the game uh for this one. Um mm. and that should be a lot of fun. Um so we've got the number one James uh Madison they should do it
2: inside the Pellustra.
0: oh yeah that would be fun. Um but um we've got uh sorry yeah n- uh, number 11 nova is hosting um uh, number 1 James Madison uh we've got um kickoff 3:30 eastern and it is uh, going to be a fun one um so, uh, I, you know, at this point in the season, um, James Madison uh, scoring 42 points per game, um, and they've, they've got almost 520 yards of total offense per game, which means uh, that is top five in the country. Villanova, very strong on defense. Um, uh, as is James Madison, both teams allowing under 15 points per game. Um, but uh, I think the real sort of test here is going to be Villanova's rush defense versus James Madison rush offense. Um, you know, part of uh the reason that, uh you know, James Madison is so good is that they've got a bunch of guys who can really, really uh, rush the ball. Trey Sharp, Marcus Marshall um, are both running the ball at will, um, you know, both are getting right around six yards per carry. Uh, they've got their quarterback, uh, Brian Shore, has been, you know, very good so far this year. He's got 69, completed 69% of his passes uh, for, you know, over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. But he has thrown five picks. So if Villanova can capitalize on some turnovers, um, you know, they're going to be, uh, you know, th- that will give them a chance. However, for them, uh, they're – Starting quarterback, Zach, but, uh, uh, left their last game against Towson, uh, sorry, two games ago against Towson did not play last week against Maine and, uh, they don't know if he's going to be able to, uh, go this weekend, um, so, uh, they're also going to be uh, without starting running back Matt Gudzik and starting tight end Ryan Bell. So, and that is not a recipe for success against James Madison. So, I'm expecting James Madison again to win this one. I know it's the, you know, I'm taking the you know top two ranked teams on the road here, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Guys. So, um, uh, I'm glad that we all got to sort of talk a little bit uh, non-FBS football this week. Uh, That was very fun, Um, but we're going to, it's time for our pop quiz. So gentlemen, get your pencils out, um, uh, get your scantrons ready. And today's question is there have been uh, 28 seasons in college football history where a player has rushed for more than 2000 yards. Um, One player has done it twice. Um, So, with uh, that in mind, uh, starting with you, Josh, name these 27 players.
2: Well, I'll go with the easiest one first, I would say, Barry Sanders.
0: Barry Sanders, the record holder, 2000, uh,
2: 2,628
1: yards. All right. Another softball, considering that he has five, over 5,000 career yards in three years, I'm going to have to go with Herschel Walker.
2: Herschel uh, uh, Walker.
0: Uh, Sorry, that is incorrect. Herschel Walker never ran for 2,000 yards in a single season. It's your one strike, coach.
1: How did he get all those yards in three years if he never rushed for 2,000?
0: It's That's, that's <laughs> an average of 1,700 a season for 5,000. So. Oh. All right, Josh. Uh, all
2: right. So Barry had the single season, and – uh. Dane had the career, and the career record was just beaten by a guy who I'm pretty sure had 2,000 yards at least once, if not twice. That is Donnell Pumphrey over there at SDSU. Denell
0: Pumphrey, in his final season last year, did have 2,000 yards. And in the, uh, you also mentioned uh, Ron Dane in that, who was the only person to do it twice. Yeah. In, in 96 and okay. 99.
1: Oh. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to have to say Ladanian Tomlinson.
0: Ladanian Tomlinson, 2000, ran for 2,158 yards for TCU. Uh, so
2: the I nice think about being a Badger alum is we just have a lot of wells to go to. So I'll go with the uh, current LA slash San Diego Community Credit Union charger, Melvin Gordon.
0: That is correct. Number two in history, 2014, 2,587 yards.
1: Ooh. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Marcus Allen.
0: Uh, Marcus Allen, number four all-time, 1981, 2,342 yards. Mm. Josh.
2: All right. Uh, I believe we had someone do it just last season down there at Texas, uh, Mr. Foreman.
0: That is correct. Deonta Foreman, in addition to Donald Pumphrey, who you uh, also already said were the two players to do it last year. Uh, Deonta Foreman, 2,028 yards last season. They're going with Pumphrey,
2: 2,133.
0: Yes. Coach.
1: Nice. I'm going to have to go with the Pony Express and say Eric Dickerson.
0: I'm sorry, Coach. Eric Dirkinson did not. Uh, you, are, you are out. Uh, Josh, can you name any others?
2: Uh, I can name some people that would be on my list.
0: Okay, go um, for it.
2: So I'm pretty sure the year he won the Heisman, Ricky Williams, went over 2,000.
0: That is correct. 1998, Ricky Williams, 2,124 yards.
2: Nice. Uh, I'm almost positive Dorsett with Pitt in, like, the mid-'70s. 1976,
0: Tony Dorsett, 2,150 yards.
2: Next, my next guess would have been uh, he's still running on Iowa in the Rose Bowl.
0: That's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is correct uh, in that Rose Bowl season, 2,019 yards.
1: I was gonna say, I, I was gonna say next. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, what's his name? Mike Rozier from Nebraska.
0: Mike Rozier is oh, correct. Nice. Nineteen eighty-three, two thousand one
1: hundred forty-eight yards. Nice. Larry Johnson at Penn State.
0: Grandmama, that is also correct. <laughs> uh, two, in two thousand two, ran for two thousand and eighty-seven yards.
2: Nice. What?
1: What? What? In the uh, what? In the elevator, girlfriend beat her upper pretty close and uh i think it was 2006
0: or seven ray rice Uh, 2007 ray rice 2012 yards Um, my last guess uh was gonna be
2: uh know him well because he ran all over iowa a couple times even though i don't know if iowa state ever won either of those games but one of the most overlooked
0: back. uh Troy Davis? Troy Davis, yes. And actually, he 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 actually did it twice. I was wrong. Two on years the calculations. in a row. Two years in a row, 95 and 96.
1: Yeah, he was Matt, odd. Matt Forte. I'm, I looked it up now.
0: Yeah, Matt, Matt, Forte, Matt Forte in 2007. Let me just go, uh, the guys you missed.
2: Did Darren uh, Sproles ever do it?
0: Uh, he did not. So, the guys you missed. Uh, um, uh, I think
1: Tommy Frazier did it in one game against Florida. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, after he finished uh, directing Clerks, Kevin Smith uh, ran for 2,567 yards for UCF in 2007. <laughs> uh, Derek Henry in 2015. Andre Williams at Boston College, 2013. Uh, what? Boston College had offense recently? Yeah. It's, 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 Wait, crazy. how many
2: yards does he have? Uh, he had
0: 2,177. So that probably means BC
2: on the year had 2,000
0: even yards total. The yeah. rest of the offense lost 177 yards. Sounds about right. Um, Donald Brown at Connecticut in 2008. Loren- okay, I'm sorry. Who the hell is Donald Brown? <laughs> he got drafted by the Colts. He played. He, he had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Um, oh,
1: Donald Brown. Yes, I know who you're talking
0: about. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo White from Michigan State in 86. Uh, uh, Byron Hansbard, Hansbard from Texas Tech, in ninety six two thousand and eighty four yards. What? <laughs> Who are these people? I don't know. Rashawn Salam, S- the Trophy winner. In at Colorado. Damien Anderson from Northwestern in 2000. Charles White. Oh, Damien Anderson. Yeah, he was a good back. uh, Charles White at at USC in 1979. Uh, Mm -hmm. Josh, recently another big time back. Tevin Coleman at Indiana, same year as Melvin Gordon outshined him. He had 2,036 yards. J.J. Arrington at Cal in 2004. At 2018. What happened to J.J. Arrington? I don't know. I thought – I mean, he was drafted by the Cardinals, and I thought he was going to be great, and he just – he flamed Mm. out fast. Anyway, that is the list. Uh, Josh, you – These
1: Iowa State unis are are pretty sick, by the way. (laughs) Troy Davis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Josh, uh, you win that round of of trivia. Well done, sir. (laughs) This is a two-game streak. Hey, I'm
1: I'm looking at this – I'm looking at – I think it's – I forget what – I don't know what this website is, but I looked it up, and they have pictures. And for Ron Dane, they have what looks to be like a punter or maybe the quarterback running the ball. It's not even Ron Dane. It's like the skinny (laughs) white guy.
0: Yeah, it's not Ron Dane. Ron Dane was bigger than half the offensive line. Yeah. so It's a skinny
1: white guy. Who was scared shitless right
0: now. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. So um, we're going to start. Uh, we, we, we're finally into our deep uh, room, There's Ron. Hour, more than an hour into the show. Um, we're going to start in the ACC um, where the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech um, and one heck of an engineer, uh, they are heading down to the U, 4-0 Miami, off to their best start in a long time under <clears throat> alumnus coach Mark Richt. Um, Malik Rozier uh, led the Canes to a phenomenal last-second drive to beat the Knowles last week, Josh. um, Do you think that they will be able, on defense, to adjust to Georgia Tech's option attack? Mm, That is a great question because Miami
2: really hadn't played anybody until Florida State, and Florida State put up over 200 rushing yards on them. Cam Akers, 20 carries, about 21. Uh, Jacques Patrick, 91 car- ninety one yards, excuse me, 91 carries, that'd be, that'd be a day. Uh, 91 yards on just 11 carries. So if, uh, if Tech's option game can take advantage of what is maybe not a, as good a rush defense as we initially had expected, uh, then, yeah, they got a shot. What I'm curious, though, is speaking about defense – Uh, Georgia Tech's defensive numbers right now, number one in total defense, number four in pass defense, and number three, tied with Wisconsin, in rush defense, but they play Jacksonville State, Pittsburgh, and UNC in their good defensive games. So are they what we saw against Tennessee defensively, or are they in a defensive groove? Because – if they are a repeat performance like they had against Tennessee defensively, you're going to get shredded.
0: Uh, Coach, um, Miami's top running back uh, Mark Walton is now out for the year. Uh, do you think they'll be able to fill in for him down there in South Florida?
1: Yeah, I think they've recruited well enough. I, you know, I'm I'm a believer in what Miami's brought to the table. I mean, you know what what really makes me feel good about this game is that Mark Rick usually has had a great plan against, you know, against these guys, you know, his, he owns Georgia tech. So um, you'll, you'll see a good, you'll see a good plan, plan there. uh, Mark Walton is a huge piece of that offense. Don't get me wrong, but I think he'll have a solution. He'll find a way to get Malik Rozier more involved in the game. ease his new running backs in um, whoever, whoever those guys might be. It'll be kind of a, Running back by committee type deal, but I think you're going to see just a more open offense against Georgia Tech, and really just be able to uh, shred that defense. So, um, you know, to be honest, I I think it. I, I don't think. I think you'll be you'll see the defense more of what played against Tennessee than more of what played against UNC because I think UNC was more about UNC not playing well and less about Georgia Tech. Dominating,
0: so, so it's, it sounds like both you guys are, are picking uh, the Canes in this one.
1: Yeah, I, I you know just just with Mark Rick Mark Rick's overall record against Georgia Tech, he's he's faced them 16 times, won 14 of those contests between his time at Georgia and his time now at Miami. So uh, or his one year at Miami. So uh, you know I have no worries in the world. I mean Tech's a great team. They finally got their offense rolling, but
2: I just don't think it's going to be enough to be honest.
0: Josh, you would coach on that one?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Georgia Tech is probably as good a competition as banged up Florida State is. Um, that's probably about their ceiling. And Miami, after struggling, did get going in that game. I, I'm just
1: – Georgia Tech can't win a shootout. They will they, – Yeah. And that's what Miami's going to do. They're going to turn this game into a shootout.
0: My only concern would be uh, sort of a letdown game after a big emotional win over Florida State. You know, they hadn't beaten Florida State in nine years, so. Um, but you know, I, I know you really believe in Rick there, Coach. So I'm gonna I'm gonna trust your gut, especially when it comes to playing Georgia Tech.
2: You know, yeah. I w- I would take this as an upset special if it was one of those ACC Thursday night games in Atlanta, mm. but but you know Saturday full week. I, I think
0: Rick did those guys. It was, originally, it was originally slated to be a Thursday night game. I, it had to be. postponed.
2: Yeah. I, I think Rick and those guys just kind of smell the ACC
0: title game. All right. Well, next we are going to head to uh, the, the hometown of Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, it is Dallas, Texas. It's going to be a hot one there on Saturday for the Red River Ooh. shootout. We have Oklahoma reeling after their stunning defeat uh, at home to the Cyclones of Iowa State last week. Uh, Texas team uh, coming in, looking stronger by the week. Um, you know They've won their last two games, including beating that Iowa State team in Ames, as well as Kansas State last week. <laughs> at home in over double overtime, I should say. So, Josh, uh, who are you going to give the upper hand to here?
2: So here's something I pretty much always do with Oklahoma. I always pick them against Oklahoma State. I always pick them against top teams in the Big 12, and I always pick them against Texas. And more often than not, it's worked out. Oklahoma is notorious for tripping up and getting random upset but they're pretty reliable in these games. They've already blown out Ohio State in Columbus. Let's not forget that. Everyone was panicking about their defense, and rightly so. They haven't been playing great defense, but they're 38th in the country in total defense. That's one behind Texas, and they've had a lot harder schedule up until now than Texas has. And Texas still got pretty beat up by Maryland. Uh, they had a slot fest against Iowa state. They could have lost at home in overtime at any point to Kansas state. Oklahoma is just better. I know both of you guys are high on Texas and you're probably going to pick Texas, but when Oklahoma wins this game by like three touchdowns, I'll be telling. I told you once on that coach, not
1: so fast, Josh, uh, Now, I'm pretty high on Texas, but I ain't that high. (laughs) Um, I I think they still got a ways to go. I think Oklahoma's going to be extremely pissed off in this game. I think it'll be a little bit closer than than it originally was going to be at the beginning of the year when Texas was struggling. This is one of those games where you throw the records out the window and you just go and play it. Uh, And, you know, like I said, this game reminds me, or like Josh said, this game reminds me actually of – the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, where uh, in recent history uh, Oklahoma has owned Texas, uh, give or take a few years, where Texas gets up there and beats them. Uh, it's the same way with Georgia, Florida. It don't matter how good Georgia's playing; they they roll into Jacksonville, it's a struggle, and it's going to be that way for Texas. And and yeah, they're going to have they're going to have their chances, but I, I just think that Oklahoma is going to lock up. They're going to be laser focused for this game. Uh, they were probably already preparing for Texas, but uh, a little fun fact here. This is the first time since 1947 that this game has featured new, co- new head coaches on both sides in the same season.
0: Ooh, I like that little fun fact. Uh, uh, I heard, uh, you know, a- after years of big game, Bob, I heard someone call him little game Link- Lincoln. And I, I don't know if <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about that. You um, you know, I might be high on Texas, but I have not been. Yeah, I, good. I have I, not spoken the good stuff then because I'm not that high on Texas. No, because as mean. you know, as impressive as they've been, they've looked better the last couple of weeks. They're you not know, there yet. They next gave year, up. They gave up 34 points here. to Kansas State, and Kansas State does not yeah. have an offense you're going to write home about. You're not going to, no. you know, bounce your grandchildren on your knees telling about that time you saw. Kansas State. I saw Kansas State in person this season against Vanderbilt. They've improved
1: every week, but they ain't there yet.
0: Oklahoma is going to come out there yet. uh, I I think that you're going to see Baker Mayfield uh, throw for five touchdowns in this game. Um, This is going to be Baker's second Heisman moment of the season after that Ohio State game. Um, The spread is nine. Oklahoma's favored by nine. And I love Oklahoma here. I, that's a big that, that's a bigger number than I would like, but I I like Oklahoma by two scores at least. So, um, our next game we're going uh, to uh, the uh, the adopted favorite conference of the Illegal Motion Podcast, uh, the American Athletic Association, um, where we have a doozy, gentlemen. Uh, number twenty five, Navy five and zero coming in. To Memphis at the Liberty Bowl to take on the four and one Memphis squad who absolutely obliterated UConn last week. Uh, Riley Ferguson has been one of the most impressive passers in the country all year at the quarterback position. But Navy's quarterback has been one of the best rushers in the country. Zach Abi uh, already has 870 yards and nine touchdowns. So uh, obviously a huge contrast in styles here, Josh. Um, you know who do you see winning out?
2: Man, I just I like what Navy has done this year, starting 5-0 and and getting ranked, but they haven't played a Power 5 team. Their best win is probably a two-point victory over Tulane. That's the only team they've faced so far with a winning record. So it's been a pretty soft schedule, and they still have three-point win, a two-point win couple 10-point wins, like, they're they're not impressing me that much other than their always awesome triple option. This game just feels like a bad matchup when you look at Navy weakness and Memphis's strength. So you mentioned Riley Ferguson, that passing attack, 15th in the country for uh, Memphis. Uh, Navy is 72nd in yards per game, passing defense, giving up, 226.8 226.8 on that the average,
0: gonna go up after this week,
2: yeah. And part of the reason why Navy's giving up that much is they're not getting very much of a push, they are tied with such notable teams as UAB, Bowling Green, Oregon State, and others at and 103rd in the country with just seven sacks through
0: five games. Hey, don't sleep on UAB. They're having a pretty darn good season their first <laughs> season back. Uh, you know, they, they, I think there's a chance that UAB makes the bowl this year. Um,
2: yeah, but it's you don't want to be tied
0: at 130. No. You that. don't want to be tied with Bowling Green or anything because they are awful.
2: For <laughs> Oregon State.
0: No, absolutely not. Uh, coach, what do you like here? Man, I, you know, I think it's
1: going to be very entertaining football, I think. Riley Ferguson is going to put on a show. Navy is going to put on a show with their with their t- uh, option attack, and they just do it so clean and efficient. And I mean, who needs a passing game when when you got such a potent offensive offensive attack with the option? But um, you know what I like about this the most, though, is is Memphis's defense. You said they were fifteenth overall. Uh, in total defense. No, they're 15th at passing attack. Passing attack. Okay.
2: They're okay. like 111th uh, like hundred and eleven defense.
0: Uh, <laughs> ah, okay So the thing I'd be concerned about here Is that Memphis defense Because, you know, the way I see it You know, Memphis is going to put up points in bunches But their offense is, you know Such a quick strike attack between Riley Ferguson And Anthony Miller, who's become one of my favorite receivers In the country, a former walk-on Already has 516 yards and seven scores this season um, You know, they're going to score quick So, and, you know, the option attack Eats a lot of clock Memphis defense is going to be out on the field for a long time expect navy to have you know to you know push 40 minutes or more of uh possession time and so that would be my biggest concern if i was uh if i was a tiger fan like a friend of the show ashley croft
1: yeah ashley croft shout out to ashley croft but no it's gonna it's gonna come down to the benches honestly it's gonna come down to the depth is navy deeper than memphis i don't think they are i think memphis is just ability to again strike very quickly they can I think that's a demoralizing factor when you grind out all these fifteen play drives and you score and then Memphis just gets it two plays and man they're they're off and running. Um, and I think their defense will feed off of that if they can just kind of get some momentum going offensively. If they get a c- couple touchdown leads, their defense might feed off of it and make a few big plays and, and really just cause Navy to panic. You know, that's gonna that's got to be their goal. That's got to be their mission. So we'll see if they can do that. I think it'll be interesting to see, A, who has the best depth, B, which offense, really, which offense can create their best defense, which is odd to say, but, you know, sometimes your quick strike, Offense can be your best defense because it demoralizes the other team and forces them out of their game plan and into your hands.
0: Absolutely, so, yeah.
1: We'll, we'll see. We'll see if we'll see what happens there and, and and how they're able to do that. I don't know how I misunderstood Josh's stat when I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, hold on. I was like, I was kind of rack my brain around it, like. This doesn't make sense. No. That, 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 yeah. What the hell is he smoking?
0: Well, um, I don't know. Has he been uh,
1: hanging out with the Dolphins' offensive line coach
0: or oh something? Gosh, I hope not. Um,
1: the heck, man?
0: Well. <laughs> Sticking in group of five, um, we're going to head out to the Mountain West now where, um, for my money, the best group of five team, the San Diego State Aztecs, are hosting uh, perennial power Boise State, who is off to a little shaky start this year. They're only three and two, including that, including the loss to uh, upstart Virginia. Um, but, you know, Boise State, you can never, ever underestimate them. But San Diego State does have the best player in that game, and that is Rashad Penny, Josh. Uh, After Bryce Love, I think he might be the second best back in the country.
2: Yeah, I love this game. This is actually the game I'm most excited for outside of Wisconsin and Purdue. Quite frankly, this game's going to get all my attention on Saturday. And, you know, the first thing I looked at was rush defense for Boise State, and they were 19th in the country. And I'm like, oh, wow, like – that's way better than I would have guessed. Well, then I decided I'll oh, see what they did against their Power 5 teams because San Diego State is almost as good as a Power 5 team. In fact, they're a lot better than –
0: I was going to say, they're a lot better than most Power 5
2: teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're one hell of a ball club. And – I'll Washington- take them over Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Washington State only put up 22 rush yards against Boise State. So it was like, ah. Uh, Washington State probably only rushed the ball four times. They, they ran it 27 times. Um, so I was like, ah, an outlier. Well, what did Virginia do? Virginia a lot better, 167. So I think it's fair to say that Boise State's rush defense is a little inflated right now. San Diego State has the opposite problem. They're 35th in rush defense, which is pretty damn good when you consider they gave up 174 to Stanford. A lot of that was price love, And then they also had to play Air Force and team that put up 220 rushing yards. Mm -hmm. So against normal teams, San Diego State's defense is playing really well against the rush. And I think that favors San Diego State because there's been kind of a common theme right now for Boise State's struggle, and that's in games where they get woefully out of balance. Uh, For instance, in that Virginia game, they had 30 rushing yards. They're just not getting enough out of their passing game to afford being that one-dimensional. I think San Diego State locks them down in that running game, makes Boise State's day kind of miserable. I love San Diego State. I think they're a machine. I think Boise State just has taken a little bit of a step back. I look at a lot of their coaching right now. I don't think Harrison is as good as their previous regime, obviously, with, with Peterson. So I'm going to go with the Aztecs. Uh, even though Boise State's never an easy out, I love the Aztecs, especially at home. I think that I think the
1: steam has officially left Boise State. I think their uh, run of national prominence, or as much of it as you can possibly have at Boise State, I think it's pretty much done. I think recruits are starting to see options elsewhere. I think the new group of the new favorite Group of Five school is San Diego State. I think a lot of recruits are starting to kind of go there now instead of Boise. Let's face it. San Diego has slightly better weather than Boise. <laughs> uh, they have a history of putting running backs in the league. I don't know if you ever heard of this guy, Marshall Falk.
0: Yeah, he was okay. He
1: was, yeah, he was decent, right? Uh, and uh, you know, they had a two thousand yard rusher last year, Donnell Pumphrey. You guys ever heard of him? <laughs> uh, but they're starting to they're starting to kind of recruit. The way Boise State was recruiting in the late 2000s, right before the the, the right before the turn of the decade, there 2010 and, and beyond, I think you're starting to see San Diego State really just start to kind of rise to prominence. And I think if there's any school in that conference that has a chance at a Pac-12 bid or, or a Power Five mm. bid, it would be. I don't I don't know if the Pac-12 will look to expand, but if they do, I think San Diego State gets a legitimate gets a legitimate look. I don't know how they are academically.
0: I they have a solid basketball team, too. So.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what they're like academically, because I think that was what was holding Boise State back from the Pac-12.
2: <laughs> Please, so, the Big um, 12 has West Virginia. I said Pac-12. I know, but the Big 12 – well, I mean, the Pac-12 has – UCLA, I
0: mean, <laughs> hey, hey now, hey now.
1: They have Arizona State. The girls there can't read, but they are hot. And it doesn't um, matter. No, and it does not matter. So uh, all that to say that I think San Diego State absolutely pummels Boise. All right. I think it's, it's going to be Rashad Penny. Uh, I think it's going to be Rashad Penny Day. I think it's It's not even going to be close.
2: Well, tell you, like the thing about these two teams and kind of the shift for, of power is state of the state has an identity, and we preach identity a lot of times on this show. But I feel like in group this of five, a social thing. yeah, but I, I think it's even that more important for a group of five teams because they need to recruit players that fit their scheme, not like Alabama where they just compile a ton of five star kids and then just kind of figure it out can camp. Like, San Diego State needs to identify the two and three and the occasional four-star kid that fits their scheme. And San Diego State, we know what they have. Great defense, great running attack. Just enough passing game to keep you a little off balance. Like, Rocky Long has been riding that since 2011 and has three conference titles. Boise State, they had Chris Peterson we knew you're getting. They had a really hard-hitting defense. They had so much team speed. They could. You, know,
1: you know what they were? Yeah. They they were the college version of the New England Patriots, where they had, every, they had all five receivers were under
0: six foot and could run. Yeah, yeah, and they were versatile, and they, they were super and, versatile. And, and I just don't see an identity for Boise State. Right I think that's a really good observation, there, Josh. Um,
1: they, always, they always had a running back that could keep you honest, but was never really their go-to guy, and that was, you know, and the most premier guy at that was
2: Doug Martin.
0: Yep, yep, muscle hamster. Um, And
2: now he's coaching South Carolina.
0: Ha! In (laughs) in basketball? (laughs) Yeah. Who knew? Well, finally, (laughs) our nightcap, we've mentioned him a couple times already, Stanford, uh, they are hosting a beat-up Oregon squad um, on the farm in Stanford Stadium, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern kick. Um, obviously, you know when it comes to talking Stanford, the the you know, first couple of talking points are Bryce Love, Bryce Love, Bryce Love, Bryce Love, Bryce Love and Bryce Love. Um, but you know, besides that, they've had a, a little bit of some quarterback issues there at Stanford. Josh, do you think they've actually settled on a guy yet? Well,
2: I think they need to figure it out because despite all those injuries, believe it or not, Oregon playing some rush defense. They are 10th in the country, giving up just 93 yards per game.
0: Uh, yeah, and they should uh, thank Colorado because they stole Jim <laughs> Leavitt, and that is yeah. that is the entire reason that's yeah. happening.
2: And against – I know it was a long game, but against Washington State, they held them to 85 rushing yards. And Washington State tried to get the run game going. They had 25 – over 25 carries in that game. Uh, I don't think Oregon has the offense – due to all the injuries, to take advantage of their good defense in this game. But if there's going to be an upset, it's going to be because Washington – or, excuse me, Stanford gets zero from that passing game. they got to figure out what they're doing under center. And I would honestly go with Costello. I think he's just the more consistent of the two from
0: what I've seen. Yeah, Keller Chris is, uh, is nothing, if not inconsistent. So, uh, you know, Coach, uh, obviously, Oregon has been, you know, really bitten by the injury bug. Uh, you know, obviously, Justin Herbert is out. Um, and I, I didn't, um, you know, uh, their starting tailback out there has is, uh, is been banged up as well.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are banged up. I think they've got, you know, they've probably got one of the most injury-riddled teams in in all of Power Five. Maybe, maybe even in all of college football. But you know, anytime you have to rely on a fifth-year senior who couldn't crack the starting lineup, or a true freshman that has never really seen football at that speed, um, anytime you have to rely on that as your quarterback position. Yeah, you're 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 kind of in trouble, you know. If fifth year senior can't step in there and be the definite starter, you've got issues at that position. Uh, especially when especially when the guy you're competing with went through two interceptions and lost a fumble against Washington State um, last week, you got issues, and it's going to be tough tough sledding for Oregon. They've got to find their way. They've got to figure out some razzle dazzle something. I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to struggle, I think. Uh, I think Stanford's just going to going to sit back, let them screw up, and take advantage of it. Bryce Love is going to have a huge day for the Cardinal. Uh, it's not really going to matter what they do in the passing game. I think Morgan, I think Morgan's going to have three or four turnovers in this one, and that's kind of how I see it playing out. If Morgan wants a chance to win this game, they, I, I think they have to play nearly flawlessly, and their defense is going to have to take advantage of of maybe a struggling passing game and maybe maybe try to win the turnover battle uh, with a couple of interceptions and really force Stanford into being super one-dimensional because they have to be, not because they want to be. And I, 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 the way I predict it is that Stanford will be one-dimensional because they can not because they have to be.
0: All right. Well, um, we were going to head to spread formations, but Josh mentioned that the game he's, uh, besides the San Diego State game, is that he's uh, going to be keeping his eye on is the Wisconsin-Purdue matchup. So, Josh, I wonder if you had any quick thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, Purdue's just played way better than anyone would have expected. Uh, Wisconsin has been sleepwalking every now and then. Uh, their defense has been very, very reliable. Their offense, I think, is what's causing some of the – sleepwalking, so I'm just curious to see how well Purdue does against another top-10 team. The last time they faced the top-10 team was Michigan a couple weeks ago, lost by 18. It wasn't quite the same as how they looked against Missouri and Ohio, things like that, but Purdue's a nice-looking team, and I'm just curious to see how long they can hang around with Wisconsin. I think the Badgers ultimately win it probably ultimately win pretty close to that spread at about 17 points. But um, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see if Purdue can maybe uh, have it tied at halftime, maybe even a narrow lead at halftime, things like
0: that. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, yeah definitely.
1: Yeah, Purdue just doesn't have the depth yet to, to really compete no. with Wisconsin. No. And in- that's, that's not a knock on Purdue. They're just not there yet. You know, I think Hazel did a horrendous job of rooting first. Um, and they just don't have the guys they don't have the dudes no and, you know they're going to give them you're going to see the first quarter and be like well okay all right Purdue,
0: it's not gonna hold up um you know wisconsin's a little banged up coming to this game uh two of their top guards are questionable uh John Dietz and like a Capoy are um, both questionable, but uh, so they've got a walk-on potentially starting at left guard, and Jason Erdman. Um, you know they're one of their top receivers. Jazz Peavy is going to be out. They're still without starting defensive end Chico Obasi um, and a couple other guys. So uh, you know, obviously, you know, I-, I think the Badger defense should be fine. Um, but Purdue, you know, they're going to spread it out a little bit more than you know the Badgers have seen in their. Uh, previous games so far this season, so I obviously will be watching as a proud badger alum but i uh, I'm a little bit more worried about this game than I would really like to be so anyway, okay, time man. for
1: you got plenty of depth
0: yeah we' we we've got some depth, but you know i'm you know i uh, I'm still a little worried coming into this one anyway, time to get some spread formations um coming into the week uh coach is still pacing us. Um, he's 20 and 10 against the spread this season. Josh, uh, over 500 at 16 and 14, and I am bringing up the rear 13 and 17 against the spread. We're going to start down in the SEC where Auburn is seven point favorites on the road at LSU. Josh, uh, who you taking uh, down there in Death Valley? Uh,
2: I have not trusted LSU at all this entire season, and I have been super high on Auburn. Auburn covers it. Easily, I set a 21-point game for Oklahoma. I'm tempted to go in that 17- to 21-point range for this one as well, even with it in Baton Rouge. All right, Coach?
1: I think Auburn gets a 17-point victory. I think I think LSU holds serve at home for a while, and then Auburn just takes over with carry on Johnson.
0: So yeah. I, think
1: I, like, I like the Tigers to cover.
0: I'm not sure why the spread is only seven. <laughs> um, I, I, if, you know, I was thinking it should be more somewhere around 10 or 11. So I'm obviously going to take, uh, I'll, I'll take the Tigers in this game. Ha ha ha. But, um, you know, the, yeah, that would be the. the t- I think
1: the Tigers will win.
0: hmm Tigers of the Auburn variety. Um, our second game against the spread um, is a classic Big Ten matchup between <laughs> Ruck, Rutgers and Illinois. Um, the Gallina. Two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Josh, uh, you're our Big Ten correspondent. Um, how do you see this one going down?
2: So, Illinois has been the perfect medicine to play against for struggling offenses as they are 88th in the country in scoring defense. And I think every team in the Big Ten takes advantage of that defense, but Rutgers. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Rutgers I, they blew out Morgan State to help their overall points per game, but if you take that game out and just do their offense against FBS opponents, they're currently averaging eleven points per game. Their offense is absolutely atrocious. Illinois gets a big win. they win by at least a field goal
0: and I know you liked what you saw to Jeff George Jr. yeah, uh
2: he had three interceptions. Uh, if he didn't have those, he actually had a really good game outside of those interceptions. He's yeah, if he right didn't on. have
1: those, he'd have to change his name.
2: <laughs> yeah. Coach?
1: Well, Jeff George Jr. doesn't have a mullet, I don't believe. He needs to grow a mullet. <laughs> I wonder
2: if he holds the – I didn't remember to look if he holds the ball the same way
0: his dad. Oh, his dad held the ball in the strangest of all ways. Did he yeah, have, like, his index is. finger on the point of the ball? He did.
1: There was a quarterback, there was a quarterback that, uh, I think I was, uh, he left after my freshman year of high school. He was the same way he had, he would put his hand, and I tried to throw like that and I threw freaking wounded ducks. Anyway, uh, this game pits a stoppable force versus a movable object, (laughs) 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 as the old saying goes, uh. I think Illinois is going to going to cover. It's going to be a pillow fight, but I do think the Illini are slightly better than Rutgers right now, uh, and uh, so there you go.
0: Yeah, uh, sorry, Dad, taking Illinois in this one. Um, our next game, uh, undefeated TCU, six point favorites on the road in the Little Apple, Kansas State. Um, so, Josh, uh, you know, can TCU keep their winning ways alive and beat the spread?
2: So, I was super high on Kansas State when we were previewing the Big 12. and They just haven't lived up to it. And I was looking at their schedule, trying to figure out where they going to have a vintage Kansas State upset. And this game kind of makes sense. But then the more you look into it, TCU, seven-point win, wake-up call. They're reading all those headlines after beating Oklahoma State. Get that wake-up call tight victory, so I think Patterson will have them dialed in. The spread is only six. If this was like a 14-point spread, I would love to take the Wildcats, but uh, something is off about this Kansas State team, and I, I still think they can maybe get an upset somewhere along the way, especially maybe that Texas Tech game, because the Red Raiders are always so erratic, even though it is in Lubbock. But I, I, I'm just not confident this week. I'm going to go with the Horn Frogs.
1: Oh, TCU is rolling. Dude. They they smell blood in the water. They they see the light at the end of the tunnel for the Big 12 Championship. They are very much in it, and they are very much going to tear down anybody in their way to get to it. And Kansas State is in the path, and I think they're they're in the path of destruction. I think they're going to. Just destroy and demoralize Kansas State. I think those. I think being six point favorites is actually kind of little, uh, little low.
0: Yeah, I, I think it is too, especially because Jesse Ertz does not like look like he's going to play for Kansas State, um, and without him, their offense is going to be uh, really struggling. Give me the Horn Frogs. Um, next, we've got uh, Washington State. Um, you know, fresh off the solid victory uh, at Austin last week, they have to head uh, you know south for them again, uh, southwest this time to Berkeley, where they are 15 point favorites on the road at the adopted team of legal motion, the Golden Bears. Josh,
2: uh, yeah, you know we we really liked Cal early, and we still think Wilcox is getting this team in the right direction. But their win against North Carolina not very impressive anymore. Now that they're one in five on the year. Then they beat Weber State and FCS team. Then they beat Mississippi, and we kind of were like, ooh, they beat an SEC team. Well, Mississippi's two and three, and they've lost their last two a combined 110 to 26. Oof. So I, I think the, the golden goose is what California is now. The goose is done. Oh, like, the goose is cooked. Eggs. That golden goose is cooked. They're done. Wazoo steamrolls yet another middle-of-the-road, if not lower, Pac-12 team. Ooh.
1: I agree with you, Josh. I think Cushing <laughs> State is on a frickin' roll. Uh, and the Pirate is going to pillage. See what They're, they're going to pillage <laughs> uh, Cal. And uh, I, I think this video that I'm watching now is going to be more interesting than that game. There's a video I'm watching of the Georgia Strength Squad. Uh, they're celebrating Squattober, and they are squatting every seat in Sanford Stadium from the top all the way to the bottom. Every row, they do a squat all the way down to the, from the top of the stadium to the, to the field. It's jo- insane.
0: Josh, yeah, I, I, I think at Berkeley, the goose is cooked, the fat is fried, and <laughs> nothing is going to be overlooked. Until the pirate is satisfied, uh, give me the give, give me the pirate and all uh, of those fifteen points on the road. I know it's a lot, but um, I, I think I think it's time, guys. We might have to jump off that golden bear bandwagon and, and hitch it somewhere else. <laughs> uh, finally. Um, It's time for uh, biggest home dog of the week in the Power Five. Uh, Not Rutgers this week because they're at Illinois. Not Kansas this week. They're on the road. So, uh, for the second week in a row, we've got Ohio State on the road uh, as big favorites. This time, 24-point favorites in Lincoln. Um, That's a lot. But this Nebraska squad is not good.
2: No. And we talked about it when we recapped the Wisconsin game that – Going from a 4-3 to a 3-4 is really, really hard. If you don't have a nose tackle, if you haven't recruited for it, it's not just taking your best down lineman and standing him up. There's so much involved in it. And Wisconsin, a good rush team, took advantage of that last week. 353 rushing yards, 7.2 yards per rush on 49 rushes. Well, Ohio State is more talented than Wisconsin and averaging 322 passing yards, so they are more balanced than Wisconsin, who has very little passing game currently. It's going to get ugly. And last year was 62 to 3. And I would say Nebraska is worse at this point than they were last year. And I would say even with losing to Oklahoma, Ohio State to me feels better right now than they did last year. It's going to be ugly. Coach.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nebraska um, fans might have to do the same things Griffin's doing during the game if they to get away from this massacre.
1: I know. It's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a mess, dude. It's gonna be uh all buckeyes are gonna roll, they're gonna they're gonna shred some corn, they're gonna shuck some corn, put it in the grinder, chop it up, eat it, and just <laughs> destroy Nebraska and they're gonna demoralize them the whole way through. It's gonna be it's gonna be ugly in Lincoln.
0: All right. Well, uh, on that note, I think it's uh, time for us to wrap up the show today. Josh, any final thoughts? So we
2: haven't been doing the uh, trap as much this year as we had last year, but I just wanted to float this one out. Does anyone see trap potential NC State in a struggling Pittsburgh stadium uh, a week before the bye and then two weeks before traveling to South Bend? Anyone see Dave Dorn's team get a little trap
0: situation? No, I I, I don't. I think this pit squad is is bad, and I think that North Carolina State they, they've already lost once this year. They know they can't afford to do it again, um, and they are. I mean that that defense is starting to play with some reckless abandon. I don't I don't think Pick is going to be able to move the ball on them enough. So, um, well. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't see a, any huge, huge trap games this week, but hopefully next week we'll find one or two. So um, I think that is going to do it for us here today on illegal motion. So um, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton here in Nashville and our intrepid blogger from big 10 County, Josh cook out there in the second city, this is the professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the illegal motion college football